Hi guys, uh, it's Charles again, and this is another edition of the Burning Desire Show. Uh, today I have as a guest Simon Jacobs, who's someone I've known for a number of years from uh, going to high school together um, and just all around kind of um, within the business community and various bits and bobs. Uh, Simon's a very, very, very interesting character. Uh, hopefully we'll dig into some of that detail and uh, he's certainly on a different journey to most people. And I think uh, that's what makes him very interesting. And I'm sure there's some lessons we can learn and uh, things that we can definitely discuss of, of interest to everybody. So, uh, without further ado, Simon, uh, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Charles. I'm doing great, thank you. It's a lovely day here in Manchester. I say lovely, it's not raining. Um, but yeah, great. <laughs> Staying safe and uh, indoors. Super, super. <laughs> um, so, I'm just having a little browse through your, uh, or have done through your, like, um, LinkedIn profile and there's mm. some interesting stuff that popped up um the one the thing the first thing that interested me was um this so you bought a lordship online and then and you mentioned that you blagged your way out of being deported from New York City and then gone to a track show can you tell us some more about that what happened and how that came about yeah sure so for, for those who don't know you if I think actually anyone can buy one so you can buy a lordship online so basically, there's an old feudal law in the UK, I think it's from like the 1700s or something. And basically, it said that anyone who owned a, a certain amount of land um, and a manor was effectively a lord of the manor. So some, you know, some enterprising people decided to buy some old manor, manor land and sell like square foots of it for 20 quid, etc. And so when I was 15, I was looking online, um, I was looking at ways to possibly avoid going to university. So I was looking to buy like a doctorate or any, <laughs> any, any way to get out having to do more academia, basically. Um, and that was too expensive. And I came across this lordship thing. It was 20 quid. So I thought, go on then. Um, ran downstairs to my parents, told them what I'd done. They said, Simon, you're being an idiot. Don't be silly. Um, which has been kind of the reaction I get from them constantly whenever I tell them I do something else. It, is, that uh, a good, is that a good sign now for you? If you can it is. Actually, it is. That's a really good, that's a really good uh, insight there, definitely. As soon as my parents say, don't be stupid, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a winner. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I joke, but actually, you know, obviously I follow their advice on a lot of things, but they do say that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, so... So about a month or so after I bought this lordship, I went on a youth trip to America. First time in America. Um, it was it was about thirty of us, and on the last day, the leaders of the groups um, set us like a treasure hunt style challenge. So they gave us a list of things that you can go and do in, in New York. Um, so basically, we go and explore the city a bit more. So things like go take as many pictures and isn't in as many different Starbucks as possible because obviously they're everywhere. Um, Bribe you, bribe your way somehow into a hotel suite. Just get a picture with it. Um, oh, what else was there? I can't think of the top of my head of all the lists, but the other sure. two, the other two things were like take a picture of a celebrity and busk in Times Square. So we'd done we'd done the rest of the list, and we were up to busk in Times Square. So it was myself and seven seven friends. I think all of which were from London. I was the token Mancunian, yeah. um, which I kind of I, I loved. I thrived on. But uh, we were we were busking. We decided to uh, belt out Wonderwall by Oasis. So being the mank that I am, it uh, it really resonated. So uh, there we sure. were belting it out, and then we were getting some change. You know, people were, were giving us a bit of money, some dimes were in there, mainly out of pity, I reckon. But uh, all of a sudden, I felt a massive hand on my left shoulder, and I turn and look up, and it's this six foot 
no, I mean seven foot New York cop looking down at me. I turned to my right and all my friends had. Can I swear on this? Uh, I'll refrain. Not. All, all, my, all, my, all my friends had uh, cleared off, shall we say. Okay. Ran, ran away. Uh, <laughs> at which point uh, the cop starts yelling at me, telling me, you know, it's illegal to bus in Times Square. Oh, wow. take, me, take me down to the station. And uh, at this point, it was just a blur. Um, but I remember being verbally abused basically um and i think he must have seen that i was on like the verge of tears and just um, a proper breakdown and um and he let up slightly and at this point this is where it kind of becomes an out-of-body experience and i start to hear my own voice and i started to hear myself go i'm sorry I, I didn't know it was illegal to busk in Times Square. Um, I wouldn't have done it. We were part of this youth trip. And then I said the immortal words of, I'm actually a lord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You actually said that out loud as well. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, can still, I can still hear it ringing in my head because I can't believe that. I still can't believe that I said it. I was, wow. I, I was 16, 17 at the time. I, I wasn't who I am now. I was nowhere near as confident. Um, and he kind of did a double take as you would. And at this point, my friends had seen that I'd um, quelled the the issue, I suppose you would say. He, he, yeah. he was slightly slightly more polite. Um, and he, they'd heard the, the conversation. They'd heard me say, I'm a lord. And they knew about the card. So they said, Simon, Simon, show him the card. Show him the card. So I reached into my pocket, shaking, and pulled out my wallet, pulled out the, the bank card that had Lord Simon Jacobs on it, um, and handed it to him. And he kind of looked at it, looked back at me looked at it again, looked back at me, and then he bowed. No. Yeah, he, uh, he did a little, uh, a little bow. And uh, <laughs> we, had to, we had to play it cool as if, yeah, you should be bowing, because if we'd reacted like, you know, laughing out sure. loud. So we had, to, we had to go with it. And then he was like asking us questions like, why are you a lord? And I said, oh, my dad owns Lancashire and various things like that. And uh, then he took pictures with us. And basically, <laughs> he, he just apologized and then went off. He said, you know, have a good rest of your time here. Don't busk in town square again. And then walked off. And it was only recently that someone pointed out to me, you know, I, I was there thinking, oh, I'm going to get, you know, taken to jail. I'm going to cause this incident. Yeah. And there he was. He was walking off probably thinking I almost caused an international incident. You know, he's gone home to his wife and kids. And said, I've just met this Lord. So that was that was uh, that was actually a really important moment for me, because up until that point, I hadn't I had rocked the boat here and there. You know, I'd done a few things, but this was kind of like the ultimate in, you know, kind of do something and ask for forgiveness not for permission sort of a thing yes and and also it was kind of it was me buying something that I thought was fun and interesting and it working out and it was just it was it was a little it was a really big um lesson for me to take so I'm I'm, I'm really pleased that that happens and it and also the way that I live my life is as long as I get a story out of it I'm happy basically Yes, it's, it's quite a nice uh kind of thing to, to think about and I've had my own trial and tribulations and I often think back and it's like, you know, I've got things to talk about. I've got things to, to lean on. I've got experience to be able to give out to other people and, and all the rest of it. But to a level, yeah, you've got to go through certain things and, um, you know, you've got, you've got to learn and experience it yourself. It's all, it's all well and good people telling you, you know, don't do this, don't do that or whatever. But until you, um, you know, experience all the emotional range that you go through and, and that whole process, then, yeah, you, you don't really get much out of it. Absolutely. So, so then, just briefly, so then, then you got on a chat show somehow. How did that come about? Oh yes, yeah. so, 
Yeah, so we were walking to we were walking back towards meeting up with a big group, the, the thirty of us, yep. um, to our meeting point, and we'd we'd given up on the other tasks basically. I mean, I think we had a couple left, and we, we were walking back, and we saw this huge crowd of people, and we saw one of the boom, you know, the boom mics with the fluffy bit yes. on the end. Obviously, you'll know. Um, yeah, yeah. familiar, yes, exactly. And and so we 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 go into the crowd, we push our way forward, and we get to where the railings are, and we see that they're filming this thing. Um, there's a guy, there's a guy with a desk and a chair next to him. You know the the classic chat, up, sure. the classic chat show setup. And I'm stood right next to the guy holding the boom. And um, I just, I just chat with him. You know, he, he's not in range of the boom, so he doesn't mind. Yeah. Um, and filled with this new confidence of my lordship, sure. you know, I have this conversation with him. I, I, I tell him, you know, who we are, what we're about, and I say the immortal words again. I'm actually a lord. Just the same day, like literally. This, just this, this is within the hour of it. Of it just right, happened. right. So I've still got that adrenaline pumping in You've my. You've seen uh, how how far can this go now? Exactly, so, exactly. Okay. So, so I tell him I'm a lord. He does the double take as you would. Um, I show him the card, and he does. I you can't see me now, but he does. You know the timeout sign. You know, like a yes. the T from his hands to the people on the show. So he he puts his hand down, and they all stop. They all start filming, and then uh, they come over towards me and my friends, and they start asking me questions. And again, I go on on the blag, you know, yeah. uh, Lancashire, etc. And they're like, "Oh, would you want to be on the on the chat show?" I was like, "Yep, yeah, let's do it." So they pull me around the railings. They tell me what the concept of the show is. It's like I think it's one. It was one of like the first internet shows. This was ten years ago now. Um, wow. It was one of like the first internet shows or something, and. They basically say, look, um, we'll pull you on for like five minutes for a quick chat, if you don't mind. They've been really polite as well. You know, I think they really did think I was royalty. And um, <laughs> and so they, they they pull me on. The guy's interviewing me. I'm sat, I'm sat there in my England kit. It says Jacob's on the back of my pink shorts, big Jewish, big Jufro. Um, answering all these questions about, you know, knowing the Queen and meeting David Beckham and stuff. Wow. Go, go, goes really well, you know, they, they seem to enjoy the interview, and then afterwards they introduce us to this lady who had been waiting to come on the show you know, who was meant to be on before me yeah. turns out she was an actress in the in like the third final destination or something so, right. so not only did we meet a celebrity and get a picture with her, but I technically became one um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, super, there even, yeah, exactly, so it, it was a beautiful moment, you know, this, this, this little £20, £20 purchase became like the best thing I've ever bought, really. So, so from that, that kind of leads us nicely on as a segue. So, from that, from that position there, um, the next kind of pivotal thing that I I know that you did, and, and you might um have some other stuff within here to how you got to this. But then, when you went to university, um, you actually started some real interesting uh, enterprises and entrepreneurship um yeah. kind of activities. Can you tell us a bit more about those and possibly how you think? that experience of um the, the newfound confidence and um using your attributes to the best of your ability and kind of almost being um surprised as to how far confidence and mm. um you know talk and talk can take you really yeah sure absolutely so yeah you're you're right then the, the next big thing was university so Prior to that, I started a blog in school, and that that kind of again sort of gave me a nod towards rocking the boat and the whole um, do things and ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Um, and so when I got to university, there was there was a magazine 
running there um as far as i was aware but in the year that i got there they stopped printing and i was that was that was a big uh, shame for me because i really wanted to get into that um i was studying international business but journalism and that sort of stuff was always an interest to me Mm -hmm. so over the course of the summer after the first year of university i came up with a, a name for a magazine and an idea for it basically so the magazine idea um name was you need to know so uni and then the number two k-n-o-w obviously a play on words you need yep. to know yeah um and when as soon as i came up with that name i thought i have to do something with it and then the idea the idea was you know i'd 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 uh i'd make this a print print magazine and all the advertising would cover the cost and we'd give it out free to students right so the following year so the second year i sent out an email to a bunch of students so you know your English writing students journalism students photography design etc anyone who I thought would be interested in the magazine yeah um booked a booked a meeting room uh, for about five people and about 50 people turned up so we had to move into a bigger room which was really wow. which was which was kind of you know it was the first sign that I was onto something really I suppose absolutely um so so that was really exciting and you know at that point I had pretty much no experience with I mean anything you know I hadn't really run a business hadn't done anything you know never done a public speaking really I'd done drama the GCSE which was actually a really important thing for me to do um but at this point when these 50 people came in I had to pretend as if I knew what I was doing what was going on etc and so I stood in front of these 50 people told them the idea told them you know why they should get involved and then it, it went from strength to strength, really. You know, we, we, we launched the first edition in the March of that year, um, which was really exciting. So that was a real trial by fire. You know, I'd never done anything in terms of publishing, really. I'd yeah. never, I've never printed anything. I had to learn about all the different kind of bindings that you need on magazines, how the different designs work. I was effectively the um, editor-in-chief, and my English yeah. skills were not up to par, shall we say. Um, <laughs> I am basically just managing a business. But yes. uh, And you asked the question about confidence, and, you know, there really is something to be said for fake it until you make it. Um, yeah. I, and by that, I don't mean fake, you know, buying all these cars and, you know, pretending to be someone that you're not, but, um, you know, stepping up, a, a level above at least um, I'm, I'm glad you actually just ensure that i'm glad you made that that point because uh it's something that i personally have kind of done i suppose mm-hmm. um and also li- live vicariously through and yeah i think there's so much of this kind of um motivational speakers like grant cardone or get gary vaynerchuk mm-hmm. and i think Yes, they do say some interesting things, mm-hmm. but I think also too many people hang on every word they say that buy all these tickets and everything else when they'd be better off actually just trying and starting something with the thousand pound they spent on all the literature and tickets yeah, yeah, yeah. and positive. If, 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 if what comes out of that is a positive experience mm-hmm. and people are motivated to do things, I'm all for it. But I think absolutely yeah. like the Richard Brands, I think is where it came from, fake to you make it. It works to a level in yep. terms of absolutely like, you know, even if you're in a company, you're not necessarily an entrepreneur, um, you know, they say dress for the job you want and, mm-hmm. and act that way. I think there's absolutely a lot to be said for that. And I'm sure yep. we can answer that what you do. But absolutely, I'm so with you that people take these kind of adages so far mm-hmm. that actually um, they become a, like just a, a lie and a, a confidence or a comp person, really. Uh, yeah. And I think that there is like, you just have to realize where 
you're going too far and where actually in your instances where actually it's more about necessity like you yeah. create something and you have to step up to the plate you're yeah. um you're just you know feeling your way through it and kind of having that com- newfound confidence and just having to kind of put put two and two together and make five hopefully um rather than as you say just going oh um i need to have x possession or i need to be in y place so i'll buy a ticket to this that and the other and that's a downhill spiral i think yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more with everything you've just said um and you know what that, that's a lesson that's a lesson that i've also learned you know there, there, there were there were and have been incidences where i have literally faked it you know before i made it and, and it hasn't it hasn't bode well shall we yeah. say um but when you look back at the points where I I stepped up, uh, shall we say, um, yes. and went beyond what I thought was capable of myself, or you know the experience yes. that I'd had, those are the times when when I when I've done well. I'm actually when I've learned the most, you know, because if you yeah, don't yeah. If, if you don't step out of your comfort zone and push yourself slightly, you'll never learn. You need to experience those things. Um, so yeah, so so I. So we, we these people all together in this room. You've you've launched the first edition on that first edition in that March. This is your second year now, yeah. I think you've mentioned. Um, where did you get the advertisers from? Did you just approach local businesses and say, "Hey, here's what we're doing. We're going to have good circulation. We need five hundred pounds." Or, or how did you price it? How, how did it work? <laughs> that was exactly right. So I I personally went round to all the local businesses. I'd never done any kind of sales before. Absolutely hated it. it. Was the worst experience of my life. Um, but it was. It was again. It was a thing that I had to do. Had to get used to. So I printed out this brochure of this concept of this magazine, um, and basically managed to pull together enough to be able to print. I think it was. I think it was ten thousand editions. Wow. So I, I can't remember the, the the total spend actually. It was. It was a few thousand pounds to get it printed. Yeah. Um, so we raised enough through advertising. Um, right. I, and um, I said this on another podcast actually. Um, when I say that it went well in terms of the sales in 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 the in the, in the businesses and the local businesses, what I mean by that is I didn't um, I didn't what's what's a clean word I didn't poo my pants you know okay. that's 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 how I um, concept that's my concept of success in this world you know that is that would have been the lowest of the low. And I didn't okay. do that. So, it, you know, and I, man- I managed to raise enough um, after right. speaking to loads of business- businesses. So, yeah. So so we sent it off to the printers. got delivered. There was a bit of a, a mishap there, but we got, it, we got it in the end. And then sure. we, hand- we, ha- we handed them out um, around the campus um, in halls and in the city centre. And there was another. And there's another, there's another fun story, if, if you're interested, uh, when we yeah, started distributing it. So... Yeah. So we would distribute. So half of our distribution plan was in halls and various places that we could, um, we could essentially get um, into without without much hassle. So people yeah. had access to the halls, and then the the other fifty percent was in the city centre, which is where a lot of the students were. So there we were handing out these magazines. Um, I, basically, the the premise was that people who were involved in the magazine had to had to distribute as well. So if you wrote for the magazine, you have to help distribute sure. as part of the deal. So get a call from one of my distributors saying that they've just been shouted at essentially by one of these civil support officers um telling them that it's it's um you're not allowed to hand out free material in the city center unless you have a pass um and basically if you carry on doing it you're going to get fined and i think it was quite a hefty fine actually so um naturally i was worried and i told everyone else uh, who were distributing the city center to stop and i had a bit of a moment um you know went back to my halls and had a bit of a 
bit of a well, I didn't have a cry, but you know, it was it, it was so, a dark yeah, it was a dark moment because fifty percent of the distribution was planned out in the city centre, and obviously, right, right. I so you're thinking, oh no, this is all kind of yeah. Exactly. Now. I thought it was, I thought it was over. You know, I'd spent thousands on this print. You know, I promised all these businesses this exposure, etc. And and actually, reflecting on it, um, I, I'd, I've not done that much reflection on it before, actually. But having thought about it now, you know, you think that everyone is really concentrating on you getting these things out, but actually, the reality was that these businesses had given me two hundred, three hundred quid. They re- they didn't really care. You know, they weren't watching my every move. You know, yes. they weren't texting me all the time. Going, it was my own perception that I'd let these people down and stuff. Um, yeah. But that's that's by the by. But um, I found I found some 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 energy, some motivation, and I started googling things, and I ended up on the Nottingham City Centre website. Right, and I was in the bylaw section, just casually going over all the terms and conditions and stuff. And um, I must have got down to the bottom of the page. And it was talking about distribution, and um, it, it was a part, there was a section on charities and religion. And it said, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but it said if you are a charity or a religion, you can hand out free, you can hand out material freely in the city centre. Right, and. And that was intriguing, and it, more curiosity, I googled the word charity, tried to get a grasp of what it meant, um, and there was a very clear definition in the UK, you know, you have to have a charity number, you have to have a bank account, there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy yep. around it, quite fairly, you know, yes. <laughs> um, yes. so, I, so at that point I thought, oh, well, I can't set up a charity, and also I thought it was a bit immoral to set up a charity sure. just to, be able to run a business, um, but then I googled the word religion. And there was a slightly wishy-washier explanation of what a religion was. Um, there was no real definition, as you can probably imagine. Um, and that's when like, the idea kind of struck me. Could we set up a religion? Um, and so, <laughs> wow. so I, came, I came up with the idea to call the religion, you need, you need to pray. And the idea was <laughs> that the, the magazine was going to be the scriptures. And I would be like the deity, and that would be it. Basically, it would be the the, the religion of the students. So I set up a, a um, like I think it was a Wix website called You Need to Pray. It explained about the religion. You know, it compared it to all the other world world known religions, of course. And then the next day, I called all all the people who were working on the magazine with me into a room. I explained my idea. You know, I said it with tongue in cheek. I said, "Look, this is a joke. We can talk about it. You know, after we've done it, let's give it a go." I gave everyone these like um, lanyards with the with a, like a, a pamphlet about the religion. They printed out bylaws and basically an explanation of what to say to someone when they challenge you. Right. And, and I sent them out, and about a couple hours later, I got a call from one of them saying the same civil support officer had come up to them and started, you know, arguing with them. Yeah. And and I thought, okay, that's that. Then you know, we'll pack up. Um, we gave it a go, but he, we went on to explain that actually, um, it, fortunately, it was one of my more confident distributors. He went on to say that um, he explained the religion to the civil support officer and the the way that it works and showed him the laws. And the civil support officer held his hands up and said, very good. I'll leave you to it. Um, <laughs> uh, it and fair play to him. He, he respected the the chutzpah, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, there was a bit of maybe let's not offend this new religion. <laughs> and so wow. for, like, for the next three years or so, we, we kind of got away with it. And, you know, a few other businesses around that time started their own religions as well. And, they, you know, they, they did. They changed the, the wording on the website eventually. But it, it, 
it became amazing, a, yeah. it was it was an amazing thing. It saved us quite a lot of money, but it was for me it was another really big lesson that again, you know, try things and and ask for forgiveness, not for permission, and like find loopholes and they're always way around things. It was such a huge, huge lesson for me. So did you start the magazine out of a an urge for a creative space or an urge to make money or was it a bit of both or yeah another really good question um so i think actually if i'm honest it was the 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 first driver was ego (laughs) um so so I like the idea of being a, a big name on campus, a Beanock. Um, yes, I've as, heard that too. My friends went to Nottingham as well. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the idea of creating this thing where, you know, everyone finds out about you and knows about you was, was, was a big driver for me, actually. The idea that I would be able to cut queues at clubs and things, you know, have access to the, all these people was really big to me, which is, which is a bit embarrassing to admit, but that's where I was when I was younger. That's fair um, enough. You know, it, it comes from various different places. But um, on the, on, you know, alongside that, there was the element of, you know, I really did like writing. I like the idea of working with other creative people. And yeah, money was money was a driver as well, you know. Um, but at the same time, I didn't I didn't know what money there was to be made on this magazine at the time. I just knew that, you know, if it grew, there was an opportunity, you know, you could take it to various other universities, etc. So, yeah, sure. those, those were the drivers for it. Okay, and then so from from there, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to recall you telling me that you then spawned a another business out of university in terms of um, which I think was far more profitable um, in regards to um, helping solve issues that many students might have in regards to letting and that kind of stuff. Is is that correct, or am I wrong? With yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Except they're they're not they're not they're not disconnected. So. So okay. what happened? So what happened was, run this, started this magazine, entered yeah. a Dragons Den style competition in Nottingham. Um, okay. So it's be like small businesses and stuff. Um, yeah. Pitched the magazine, actually won the competition. Won won that. I think it was about five grand, which was which again was another huge thing for me. It, you know, I, I still wasn't that confident, and all these little things added to that confidence, which was really important. It's interesting you say this because I was just having a discussion the other day with somebody, and I explained to them that. One of the greatest, um, like little snippets or, or nuggets, I should say, of um, that I've heard was from Steve Jobs' uh, commencement speech at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he says, amongst others, is worth worth uh, checking out if you can on YouTube. Everyone that's listening, um, one of the things he says is that you can't connect the dots going forwards, only backwards. And you know, the point being is that you, you didn't know at the time in which you were in the in Times Square on that chat show, start the magazine, how all these things, and, and hopefully we'll get there in a moment, lead up to where you are now. But looking back at it, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense because that gave me that confidence, that gave me the ability to believe in myself more, et cetera, et cetera. But at the time, you just do things because whatever the motivator might be. As you said, for you with the magazine, it was more about can I become, um, can I elevate my status almost within the community of the student community. Um, but now you look back on it and it's far more than that, but you you don't know that at the time, you only know that from, you know, hindsight position. Yeah, absolutely. That is bang on. Absolutely. Um, I think I've seen, I think I've seen that commencement speech, but yeah, I I think I'll rewatch it. He's, he's bang on with the connecting the dots afterwards. Absolutely. Um, 
and and that's not to say that's not to say there's no value in connecting to the yeah, connecting the dots after the event because that reflection is really important. Yes. So so I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that's a that's a bad thing. I think as I go forward, you know, it's a lesson that you've learned absolutely. Um, yep. So yeah. So yeah. So did this dragon dragon's den thing? Won that? Won some legal fees? So with it with a with a law firm, they gave you you know X amount of hours, which I think right. I, which I thought was quite valuable considering my uh, my attitude to life. Um, <laughs> so so that was good. And then I was coming up to the end of second year, and I was on a sam and I was on a, a, a sandwich course. So I had a four year course, and one of the years was meant to be going abroad. I was studying international business. Um, and so I, I'd applied to, to to go abroad. I'd applied to go to America. I'd applied to go to Israel. Applied for a few jobs here and there. And yep. around this point, um, one of the dragons from the Dragons Den thing got in touch with me and said he'd be interested in being involved in the business properly. Um, yep. You know, um, which was really interesting. And at the same time, I'd also met someone else who was running a business in Nottingham. So he was manning the doors essentially of clubs. And I'm running events, and instead of charging entry to the clubs, he was taking people's um, housing requirements. So he would ask you on the door, you know, how many people, how many people do you want to live with next year? What's your budget? Where, what part of Nottingham do you want to live in? And he and he had access to landlords, and he would pass that data on basically and take a reasonably big commission for filling the houses, um, oh. which was a really good business model. Um, I don't know how well it'd hold up against GDPR these days, but uh, actually, I think it'd be okay because it was relevant. Um, but that's by the by, um, and basically he'd actually, actually advertised in the magazine. And so the three of us, myself, the dragon and this guy, um, basically formed a group. So we formed the uni two group. So we use my brand and yeah. the idea was that the magazine would be the Trojan horse. So it would be, it would be the thing that would give us access to the students and we would be able to advertise all the services. So we started an estate agency called uni to rent. Um, and we built in various other services under that. So you could, for example, rent a flat through us and get a free trip to Amsterdam and um, built into the rent. So basically you would add two pounds extra to the rent a week. And, you know, in the February, oh, wow. we'd take to Amsterdam. So basically you got a trip to Amsterdam and you didn't have to tell your parents that they were actually paying for it. Um, so that was a really cool concept. And we, you know, we had these big visions of becoming a UK wide brand and franchising, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I, and so basically my third year, I decided not to go abroad and decided instead to concentrate on this business. Um, and there, there are a bunch of pitfalls and learnings from, from, from that and sure. stuff that happened. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that, that was uni two. And I ran that, um, for about three, four years. Um, somewhere, somewhere along those lines, I graduated as well. So yeah, um, fire away if you've got any other questions on the back yeah. of that. So that, so then the next thing that happens is, uh, again, I'm, I'm just looking at your LinkedIn, so it might be wrong here. Um, is that you then joined Camelot. Was that pretty much the next thing that happened near enough? Yeah, roughly so. So right newly to graduated and then various things happened and I decided to take a step back from the business. Yep. Um, it wasn't going where I wanted it to go. Um, and my two of the business partners, one in particular, um, was was mainly running the rental side of it at that point, which was the cash cow. So um, I said, look, I'll step back. Don't need, I, I won't take my salary. Um, I'll just be a silent partner. If there's yep. anything, let me know. Which is fine. It was all amicable. And then I sort of wanted to know what to do next. I was kind of in limbo. 
Um, I always I always liked marketing. I thought that was kind of my my shtick, I suppose. Yep. And so I thought, oh, I'll apply to some for some marketing jobs. Um, so I printed my CV out, thinking I was the big I am. You know, I'd run this business, raised X amount of investment. Um, so I sent my CV off to marketing agencies. I think it was about twenty or thirty CVs I sent off. I didn't hear anything back um, at all. You know, I waited a week or two, nothing. Um, and then another one of these um, silly ideas came into my head. I was like, okay, well, what do marketing companies want? You know, why would someone hire you? I was thinking, okay, well, they want to know what you're going to be like to have in the office. Um, and they want to know what you'll, you know, what it's going to be like to have them sat across from you. So I thought, oh, well, I'll send some, I'll get some face masks of myself printed and put my CV on the back of them. Uh, <laughs> and so I, and so the first time I sent CVs, out, I just sent them to the businesses. I just said, you know, I, like the drum, for example, just sent it to the, the company address with no specific person attached to it. But this time I was a bit more methodical. Sure found the marketing manager or you know the owner of the business sent them sent the face masks off and then about a week later I'd had you know seven to eight different calls and emails saying you know come for an interview or you know would you be wow. interested in this and um the, my ego again got the better of me and I thought well clearly I'm good at this stuff I don't need a job so that's when I started a marketing consultancy company called our marketing guys so the idea was um i would be essentially your out of house marketing company like a, a consultancy um yeah. i want to do something a bit different so with uni2 we'd had experience with marketing companies where you know they were they were really good and they did amazing work but they weren't that interested in in our success except for you know us coming back to them for more work sure. um which is fine, you know, it's a perfectly good business model, it works. But I thought, okay, well, there should be something. I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in working with people that want to work with me to grow success. And so the concept that I created was that basically I would take a revenue or profit share in a business or an equity share in return yep. for way, way, way reduced fees on my marketing consultancy. Yeah. Um, so basically I would have skill in the game. Um, yep. And, you know, went out, did workshops and started building clientele and, you know, Ran that for about eight, nine months. And then in one of the workshops that I was running, someone from Camelot was actually in the workshop. Um, or they had some affiliation with Camelot. I can't right. 100% work, remember the detail. But he basically said that Camelot were looking for young people, um, you know, innovative young people to come join the company and, you know, be involved in this new wave. Would I be interested? And I, I said, yeah, you know, it sounds really exciting this big company, you know, again, a fuel to my ego, this person was specifically targeting me. And so essentially, I, I moved myself down to London, um, to become this youth consultant, I suppose, for Camelot. Uh, it was yep. a full salaried um, position, it wasn't a consultancy thing. But yep. that's, that's how I saw it, like a youth consultant. Um, so it was an influx of about 12 or 15 of us from various, oh, wow. different, various different backgrounds. So some were graduates, some were fresh out of school, I think there was another entrepreneur. Um, and they gave us training and they they tried to integrate us into various bits of the business. So from all different departments we were put in. Um, and, and basically, I managed to make a bit of a, a name for myself because, again, I did things... Did things a bit differently. So from the startup world, you know, I'd had, you know, teaching about agile, agile, um, agile stuff and, you know, how to make things move quickly and 
um, if this, then what sort of stuff. And so I was applying yeah. all, all of the attitude and also the same attitude of permission and not forgive forgiveness, and not permission. And yes, it, it was totally different to anything that Camelot had experienced, really, because, you know, it's a big corporate company that had at least 50 percent of the employees there were there from the inception of the company. So they've been there for 25 years or so. Um, yeah. And so they've had this new influx. And then after about three months or so, I got made brand manager. So brand manager is essentially the person who, well, this is how it's pitched to me. You look after all the TV campaigns, marketing campaigns, etc. So I was made brand manager of the scratch card department, um, which was actually the biggest department in terms of turnover in the company. Wow. Um, so the, the concept was that I would be creating, as far as I was concerned, I would be creating all these concepts and marketing and stuff. Um, it turned out not to be the case. Um, it turned out, you know, as with a lot of big companies, all their creative stuff is done by outsourced um, marketing agencies. So, you know, your BBVWs or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, and then they come back and show it to the brand manager who then simply goes, yes, it's on brand. No, it's not on brand sort of thing. Um, right. Which which wasn't what I wanted. You know, I was and all the stuff that had made me quote unquote successful up until that point, I no longer was really allowed to do so. Yeah. The creative stuff and the stuff that wasn't, I would say, particularly corporate was now no longer, you know, you know, um, something that they were looking for from me. And okay. I and um, so I, I did that for about six months or so. And around that point, when I was considering leaving, my business partner from Uni2 messaged me and said, would you like to be bought out? <laughs> um, and it was kind of perfect timing. Jumped at it, said yes, handed in my notice. Um, and got about a month gardening leave which was incredible um <laughs> and you know sold my share so i got a nice influx of cash and at that point um i was still in london still had six months left of my lease um on my flat and so i just started exploring you know i'd never really had a gap if anything i'd had the opposite you know i'd started work while i was in uni university so i did i tried not to put any pressure on myself to start anything else or go for another job um and so yeah for the next six months i just had fun in london okay and then that leads us up very nicely to to where you are now and you create a company um i presume throughout all that headspace that you had um called professional weirdos is that correct yeah that's correct so 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 yeah during those six months um had some interesting experiences so some of them were just just fun really you know just going out and doing things that i hadn't had the time to do hadn't had the energy to do hadn't had the money to do um and and so yeah one of the one of the important experiences that i had which i didn't realize until probably quite recently you know more reflection didn't realize how important the experience was was going on a thing called a london loo tour which was okay. a tour of all the public toilets around london <laughs> um I'd seen it advertised somewhere and it, it intrigued me, you know, it, it was, it was quirky and it just sounded like something fun. Again, it was something that I thought oh, would be a good story. Yeah. So went along, it was me and, um, this Irish family and there were like six or seven of them. They were, they were a really good laugh. I, I kind of felt like their family at the, at the end of it. Sure. Um, the lady running, it was, it was a delight, you know, in order to, you know, get our attention, she held up a plunger in the air to make sure that we found her. <laughs> Um, and it, it was just a really well thought out tour you got to see loads of london the weather was glorious we got some amazing historical facts a lot of good laughs um and at the end of it it kind of left me 
it it left me really motivated. You know, it was kind of like a nod um, to say that this person who was running this London new tour has found something that she loves. You know, she yeah. was obsessed with this thing and yeah. it turned it into something that she could make money from. Maybe it wasn't a full-time job. Maybe it wasn't, you know, a full-time business. Certainly sure. seems to be now. Um, but it was kind of a nod, you know, that these things exist and there are these niches that people tap into. And as I say, I didn't realize this until recently. Um, but then, you know, a few weeks later, I met up with a friend of mine. Um, she runs a, like, a successful, a successful like, blog, um, blogging school, I think you should call it. So how, okay. pe- teaches people how to make, you know, success out of writing a blog and, you know, build a, build a personal brand, etc. Um, and we were just having chats about what I should do next and, you know, saying I don't really want to do marketing consultancy again. Whilst I enjoyed the creative aspect of it, I dislike the client management and having to go out and get those clients. Um, and she said, Simon, you're a bit weird. And uh, and obviously when someone calls you a bit weird, you recoil slightly. Yes. Um, but uh, I let her continue and she went on to explain that, you know, all these things that I'd done previously, all these experiences that I had were outside of the norm. You know, they weren't things that other people had experienced. And the things that I'd done had been the uh, mainly been the reason that I'd been quote unquote successful. So yeah. the reason, you know, when, when someone when someone was to look at me from the outside, you know, they would think that I was successful. You know, when they would compare themselves, you know, which yeah. is which is something you, could, you can debate about. But she was she was right, and um, you know, it was the stuff that I really enjoyed doing as well, the, being the being the weirdo and the outside the box. And she said, you know, there's value to it if you can bottle it in some way. And that was like a eureka moment, you know, if I could somehow use this weirdness in its purest form and, you know, teach it, spread it, sell it, whatever, there was value to it. And and so then my next step was setting up a Facebook group called Is the World Strange or Am I, which is which is the name of a song um, by a by a singer that I really like called Cosmo Jarvis. Um, And basically the Facebook group grew. Um, the, the concept was I wanted to find other people who thought about things differently, did things outside the box, um, basically form a community around it and like build a base for what might become something. Um, and so it grew quite quickly over the space of like three or four months. We got like a thousand members. It was really exciting. And then a bit more thinking and I was trying to dis- you know describe what it was that I was or what I was going to be. And it was it was something like I realized, OK, so I'm a weirdo but I want to make it, you know, a job. I want to make it a profession. And then I realized, oh, well, professional weirdos. And that kind of, that explained it perfectly, you know, explained what I was, but also it was something that I thought people would like to, you know, badge themselves as well. You know, you might not, you might not work for professional weirdos, but within your industry, you are a professional weirdo. So it had, so it had, so it had two or three meanings to me. You know, it was people who were um, weird and did that professionally. So the London Lutor lady, she was a weirdo and she did that, you know, professionally. And sure. then there, and then there were people who were professionals but were weird. So I, that's who I would class myself as when I was in Camelot. So I was professional, but at the same time, I was weird compared to the others in yeah. the business. And then there was me. I was now this professional weirdo. So I was kind of like professional weirdo cubed almost. Um, so yeah. So so the idea grew, and I, the concept was that I would go in and do training for corporates and big businesses on how to you know think outside the box, be welcoming to outside ideas and out the box thinking. Yeah, and so that's led you to some pretty interesting places. I take it in some big corporates. And what's the? I'm curious as to how do people 
find you from from mm. that angle? Do you uh, do outreach or people kind of word of mouth? And I'm also curious in those um, th- those kind of workshops that you have. Do you find that the people that are brought in to those workshops are all from a similar kind of category of you know marketing or, or whatever the case may be within that company? And I guess also um, are different companies more susceptible to this than others or have you kind of had a broad stroke across different industries yeah so okay um let's break it down so yeah so i've done talks at um john lewis and waitrose for example um so so the john lewis um gig um was actually my girlfriend works at john lewis um you know you might as well might might as well be open and honest you know it's it's only fair to say that these are where the connections are made yeah So, so um, so she didn't. She didn't put me in touch necessarily, but she told me that they do this thing called Spark Talks, which is where they invite interesting talkers, to co- interesting speakers, to come in and deliver, you know, um, a session with them. So I emailed and said, I run this company called Professional Weirdos. Would you, would you be interested? And they kind of bit my arm off, which was great, really exciting. Went in um, and did a talk to about seventy people. So to answer your question in terms of who turns up, um, it was everyone and anyone that was really in the business so it's in the it was at the head office in london um yeah. people from hr people from marketing people from strategy innovation um and basically i told this told my story um you know all these all these trials tribulations weirdness um i do a bit of an activity um and just get them to think outside the box so so an example that i give is when i was at camelot there were, i used to sit at a desk and there was a fire extinguisher that i used to knock my leg on all the time um and it was like screwed to the desk and one day i just thought you know what i'm gonna change this and i unscrewed it and put it to the other side of the desk and that was like another big another big thing where you think uh, sort of like acknowledging the things around it you can change and open your mind you know these little things in front of you um i give these examples and people come up to me and go and 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 tell me about things that really annoy them that they're going to go away and change um and and having not had that talk they you know they would have sat there with that fire extinguisher next to them for the rest of the rest of their working life Um, so so to answer your question um so far the reception has been really good so typically you know corporates are are, are quite open to it you know because it answers quite a few briefs it answers a creative brief answers an innovation brief answers a a bit of a, a mental health well-being, you know, because it's about getting outside. It's about opening yourself up. It's about changing mindsets. Sure. Um, so I've not really had I've not had any negative um, reactions to it either when I pitch or you know when I deliver it. But equally, it's quite a hard sell. So you know, I've not I've not done that not done that many because it's still a fluid thing that I'm still trying to figure out as well. You know, you have to get the right balance between. Um, doing a wishy-washy, this is going to be a fun workshop versus yep. these are the out- these are the outcomes that you're going to achieve on the back of yes. this. Um, yes. So that's still something that I'm you know slashing my way through. Um, so I'm currently looking to possibly get it accredited. Uh, you know, so it becomes like an official part of your um, CPD, so your co- uh, your continual personal development, yep. and so the people can put it on their CVs and their LinkedIn, etc. Interesting. Um, yeah, so that that's an interesting turd. So that that's that's something that comes on the back of what I what, what I'm also doing at the moment, um, which I can go on to if you're interested. Yeah, sure. Got. We, we met, I mean, it's been a super. Uh, these podcasts are normally kind of twenty to thirty minutes, which is no um, <laughs> good or bad thing upon the people that I'm, I speak to normally. But for yeah. whatever reason, this has been a, a nice 
free-flowing conversation. I see no reason to uh, to stop it. So, yeah, let, let us know what's um, what's then happened now and what, where are you at the moment? Yeah, sure. So, so, so I kind of I came up with the concept of professional weirdos whilst I was still still living in London. So it was about it was about two months before I moved out, um, and at that wait, you know, I didn't know what it was at that point, and then. I decided to move back to Manchester, so I moved back with in with my parents, which you know some people would see as like a backward step or something. You know, it, it never really crossed my mind. It was just I did a, the same. I did the same thing. Exactly. For me, I I actually did. I actually was very very against it at a certain point, and mm-hmm. then now I'm like, it, it's so beneficial to me from, yeah. from a number of different angles. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and you know, it, it never. It, I wasn't that against it. It was kind of like I loved living in London. I was upset about having to move. Having I was upset about moving out. Um, but other than that, it wasn't, wasn't a real big, like issue for me. Um, so yes, yeah, so I moved back to Manchester, carried on sort of deciding what professional weirdos was going to be constantly like shifting it, changing it, um, trying to decide how to make money out of it. Um, well, at this point, where, where are your parents in, in this thing? Cause they've seen you now go from, you know, some, uh, pretty wild and, and wonderful yeah. ideas, um, yeah. probably bearing on the positive side for you. Um, yeah. and kind of, you know. Uh, not quite understanding where you're coming from. I understand mm. my parents in a different a different way. Yeah, and I think most people do. They kind of push yeah. the envelope a bit. Um, mm. Where so they've gone from that. They've then seen you be successful, quote unquote, uh, as yeah. you say, uh, yeah. within the university uh, business career mm. and also with Camelot, etc. So, so where are they at this point? Are they kind of like, oh, we've seen this work for you before, so mm-hmm. we'll let you run with it? Or are they still kind of like, oh, maybe this year you've pushed it as far as it'll go, really you should now get a serious job or whatever mm-hmm. that might mean. Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, Charles. Um, so, so I would say that generally my parents are really quite chilled. Um, you know, they, they've never been particularly pushy either way. You know, they at the same time, they don't understand this this business world you know they've both had nine to five jobs um so it's always been quite alien to them um you know which which has taken which has taken quite a lot of getting used to you know i wouldn't say we've had arguments we've had heated discussions about things so even when i was running the uni business um you know it wasn't in their eyes quite a success um you know for the first two or three years because i wasn't bringing in a regular salary you know it was still a startup sort of thing so it only when i sold my shares and I had this role at Camelot did they start to see okay um he's clearly you know got something you know he's, he, he, like I say they, they weren't they weren't um negative about it but at the same time they they their worries weren't um weren't washed away while I was yeah. doing these things um but they, they were quite happy with when I was at Camelot and when I told these shares so when I moved back to when I moved back in uh, they were they were neither here nor there. They were just like, yeah, fine, whatever. We'll see what we, we'll see what comes. Um, when I told them, they told when I told them about professional weirdos and the idea, uh, I think it was another thing where they go, we don't understand, but crack on sort of a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, fair enough to them. Um, and so yeah, so I moved it, moved back in, um, and like it was an ever changing thing. I still didn't know, like in my head, I still didn't know how to pitch this idea to corporates. You know, it was a case of, and I was making excuses for myself as well, you know, not putting it out there. You know, it was a case of it's not ready or I don't know what it is. I don't know how to sell it. I don't know how to get these contacts, etc. Yeah. And it kept going and going and going. And I, I made a few connections here and there and a few strides. So like I said, I did this talk at John Lewis and, you know, I was making inroads. And when I did this talk, the person who organized it at the end said, look, 
Um, I would like you to come and do a talk at the national conference, which was incredible. Um, but that never came to fruition for whatever reason. Sure. Um, you know, there, there's always always opportunities of it happening in the future. But you know, it, it was it was a mixture of someone saying yes, this is a thing, and then there was a mixture of it didn't actually happen. Sure. Um, so it was kind of a a, a lull, you know, a, a, um, a, a false hope. Yeah. Um, and so I kept pushing myself and pushing myself and saying, no, I, I don't need a job. I don't need an income. I've got this money keeping me afloat. Um, I can take it. You know, I, I'm using my credit cards to keep me afloat, et cetera. Um, and then it got to the point where literally I just couldn't sustain it anymore. Um, and so I was like, OK, well, I'm going to have to get a job. I would prefer not to get a nine to five, sit in an office, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I was looking online and I came across. Um, this job in Burnley, um, which was basically a digital marketing tutor slash lecturer. So um, this company in Burnley, marketing company, um, had joined, had made a partnership with Burnley College okay. um, to set up a digital marketing course run by experts, essentially. So they they they'd had an apprentice from Burnley College themselves who was on a digital marketing course, and they weren't weren't very up to date with their knowledge because they'd been taught by academics basically who yes. weren't in the industry um so they wanted to you know they're a marketing company they're experts so they wanted to set something up where they could teach people by experts yeah. so they set up this thing called um project digital um and basically they wanted they, someone had left a position and they wanted someone else to fill it and i thought it was quite exciting you know the idea of being able to share my experience share my knowledge of the digital world um and you know keep going with my public speaking and it'd be quite a flexible thing. So applied for that and I got it. Um, and so now, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I do lecturing It's kind of like wow. workshops. So day long workshops, um, about digital marketing to these apprentices, um, which is, which is just a really interesting thing, thing to be involved in. And, you know, Mondays and Fridays I work from home, so it's a lot of planning and stuff, but it, but I also have time to, um, do my own stuff which is really good and they're quite open to it and they've got nothing against me doing professional weirdos so long as it you know doesn't detract yeah. um so so since so since I took that which was back in August I published my first book which is called Get Started um so that was an interesting experience as well so yeah so that's that's kind of where I am at the moment so I'm working on the lecturing still building professional weirdos and I've got this book that I'm that I'm uh, promoting as well brilliant brilliant and I think that's uh a great place to leave it possibly the only only further question is what do you what's next for you is it really to try and push this uh, professional word of things further mm -hmm. and is the kind of ideal position for you to be in to be sustaining talking to corporates on a regular basis like you did at john lewis yeah delivering their sort of workshops uh, and you mentioned this accreditation thing is, is that the direction at the moment that you see it going in and want it to go in yeah, so that's a really good question. So I'll try and be as quick as possible. So we, um, so with Project Digital, actually, it's a really, really cool thing that you know that I was, I was really interested in the concept, and the owners of the business um, want to grow it, but obviously they've got the marketing agency. So there's potential for me to step in and be part of the business there, which is really exciting because it's a okay. huge, con huge concept in the north. You know, there's such a huge skill gap, at least in that area of the world. Um, so to be able to grow this thing is massive. So there's that. Um, and then, yes, so the way that I found out about the accreditation was through this Project Digital thing. I see. Um, so basically, you you get open to this new world of like accreditation and like why companies pay and there's levies and funds and things. And so if I can tap into that in some way with professional weirdos, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of access, a lot of doors that could be open. So 
that's what I'm looking to do, looking to possibly get it accredited um, and, and also shift it slightly. So whilst I will still concentrate on corporates, there is an individual thing that I want to move towards. So, so something, if you look at my LinkedIn, you know, it's a bit out of the ordinary, you know, my profile picture is a bit weird um, and I, I, I use different wording and stuff like that. And um, there's a lot to be said. For, there's, there's value in being able to tell people how to do those things and, you know, encourage them to be outside of the box. So I'm also going to try and move into the more the individual space. Um, so teaching people how to be more confident about putting things out there. And then, yeah, um, I'm hoping to publish, I'm hoping to promote this book a bit more. And I've got another one to publish as well, which will be about, um, which is called 367 different things to get you outside your comfort zone, which I need a better title for because it's really long. But uh, well, basically, 67, you just happened to come up with that number or? Well, it was, I wanted something for every day and I thought I'd add two extra things to, uh, <laughs> you know, because <to> <laughs> it had to be, it had to be slightly out of the ordinary. And also I'd made this list. And I realized that I had more than I needed. Um, and, and basically, basically all it is, is it's a list uh, with explanations of why you would do these things of slightly things that are out of the ordinary to get you out of your comfort zone. So it varies from, you know, wet odd socks, which to some people would be, you know, the worst thing in the world, you know, to be sat there with odd socks to, um, to like saying hello to someone on the tube. Um, you know, it's just like little nods to get you outside your comfort zone um, and to unleash your inner weirdo, basically. So, yeah, those are like the three things that I'm looking at. You know, the professional weirdos for me, I, you know, something I always do is look to have um, a bigger vision, you know, for the company. So it's not just it's not just doing talks and things. I want it to become a concept or a badge almost. You know, I want people to say I want people to take hold of it and be like, I am a professional weirdo. You know, I want it to be. Um, like something that people have on their LinkedIn profiles that, you know, it defines them. I am a professional weirdo. Um, and likewise, I see it becoming, I hope I have plans of it becoming um, like a way of thinking almost. So every industry has its professional weirdos. So in the property world, you know, I'd love people to do things differently and think outside the box, etc. So yeah, that's, that, that's my long-term, long-term vision for it. Brilliant. I think that's a really good place to leave it and a noble uh, mission to kind of uh, pursue. And I think you'll do well absolutely at some point. Um, you know, if you've been successful in the past and uh, yeah. there's no reason why you won't connect some of these dots you're doing now and yeah. that'll kind of move on in like a year's time and sure we'll be in a very different place and be mm. interesting to kind of catch up with you at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks so much for uh, the time. Pleasure. I say it's been slightly longer than usual, <laughs> but, but that's for, for good reason. You've been very yeah. interesting and that's not, no disrespect to my previous guest <laughs> by any stretch. Uh, it's just been a great conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so I look forward to kind of uh, following you. I'm sure we can find you on all the usual places. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the professional weirdos page on Facebook, right? And you've yeah, got yeah. obviously on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. So people can find you there. Yeah. Um, thank you once again. And uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you very soon, Simon. Thank you very much. Yeah. Pleasure, Charles. Thank you very much.